I kind of like this one, Bob. Leave it. What is up, all you super geeks? Welcome to another episode of Super Geek Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Yo, 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 it's been a while. I mean, day whatever of this lockdown, you know. This lockdown. That's just the worst thing ever. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Not at all. We're going to talk about Joker. Let's keep it positive. Let's talk about Uh a a sad, upsetting movie. So (laughs) (laughs) We forgot to introduce ourselves. Why don't you do? Why don't you go first? Hey, that's yeah. That's probably an important part. Um, I'm your host Jesse, and I'm your co-host Bruce Wayne. Ah, just kidding. Brandon Samuel. Hello, <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Yeah, sorry about uh, missing last week. We were away in our ice fortress um, of solitude. Yeah, aka work. <laughs> work. Um. Yeah. If you are a Batman fan, can I just say it's a great time to be alive? It, it oh, really for is. sure. Um, Michael Keaton making a return in the mm-hmm. upcoming Flash movie, Flashpoint. Um, possible Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne, Batman. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the, fingers crossed. The Gotham show that they're doing that's connected to the yep. Batman movie. Like, boy... Batman now, fans are living right now. And I wonder too, um I wonder too if that connection So like the DC is supposed to be bringing everything in August. Everything's supposed to be connected, right? Mm-hmm. So with that being and also connecting to our what we're really going to talk about tonight. Um how does that affect the the DC black label movies such as Joker and like mm-hmm. the route that they're taking for you know they wanted to do a separate mm-hmm. line of like dark yeah. movies like so I want them to just like how you know when Disney did the buyout of like 20th Century Fox and whatnot right how one of the first things that they said was they have a slate of movies that are going to be the R rated stuff such as like Deadpool and so on. Like the really edgy stuff is going to be one section of their film universe. So I would like to think, and I hope that Warner brothers has the similar aspect of things when it comes to the black label films. Like you said, I want them. And we know that DC is dark already. Um, but movies like Joker, when they're really like getting into it as far as like, (laughs) I mean, rated R, for crying out loud, you right, know? Right. Um, I want them to have its own section, you know? So even if their regular DC EU movies can kind of tap into the more edgy stuff, but they're able to come back. Because remember, kids, you know, younger people are still watching these movies, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But for the older people, you know, like us, like, that want like the real stuff. Right. That's when they would have like their black label films. Hell, even make a make a logo for it, you know, like slap a yeah like make like a thing, you know, for it. Yeah. Brand it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and 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 I want I want to keep it open to like I don't know. I want to keep it open to gamers too. So if you're a yeah. gamer, you know, they, they they WB brought out the um the URLs for Gotham Knights with a K Mm -hmm. and the Suicide Squad, the game. Now there are heavy rumors of Microsoft buying Rocksteady. Um, And WB Interactive also. Yes. Which is crazy. Making DC games exclusive to Xbox, which, you know, you've got the Spider-Man games for decades that have been exclusively like, yeah, mostly we we can use it. So, like nobody complained about those. I'm, I am upset. I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a PlayStation user. So, yeah. and even for PC users, like not being able to enjoy those games without having the console. That and you know, that's why I'm saying like just the buyout of different companies. Mm-hmm. This is a very, like, 
important season right now, especially with DC trying to keep everything all together for companies just to be buying out each other. Mm-hmm. Like eventually I think somebody's going to end up buying, you know, everything. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know. Sharing rumors, sharing things. I just want to keep it open. Um, I'll say that, uh, once more details come out for the DC fandom, we'll we'll post an episode talking more about it. Once as that. more details come about it, um, what is it? August twenty first, I believe, Something when it like uh, when it starts. So we'll definitely keep everyone in the loop as far as that goes. Because I'm excited. We're excited for sure. Yeah. I mean, we're DC fans. Yeah, they're now Warner Brothers giving them. They're giving DC a voice to finally acknowledge the fans, let them yeah. kind of have a say in things yeah. and whatnot. So they're making a whole event for us. Thank you, AT&T. Yeah, yeah. They finally <laughs> came through. making the, this possible. The black suits finally came through, you know? Um, right. But enough of all of that. Enough. Now we're going to talk about the most depressing movie of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being Todd Phillips' Joker. The Joker. So I'm going to go off the, off the cuff and just say that finally Warner Brothers allowed DC to just give it, you know, give it their all, you know. BDC. And I'll say that it was a tough watch. It's a very heavy film. Absolutely. Um, because, of course, like, for someone like me who struggles with mental illness, like, all the time, I can say that I related on, you know, Arthur Flex anxiety, you know, et cetera. But, like, the whole him being insane is, like, a whole other thing, you know? But, um, but him having his issues with like his mom, you know, how he was abused when he was younger. All that stuff is like real issues. And what sets this movie apart from the rest, I'll say is that it felt real. You know, Gotham felt like a real city. You know, Arthur Fleck felt like a real person. Thomas felt like Wayne felt like a real right person. Now. Yeah, yeah. All the riots. <laughs> Oh yeah, now the, the movie is kind of like eh, now because of like what's going on in the world currently. Um but for a fan of DC, I'll say like I was surprised how much I liked this movie. And it's kind of weird to say that I like it cuz again like it is such a heavy movie that deals with like really heavy themes and mm-hmm. there it was also met with controversy too, which I'll yeah. say personally speaking that I get why people were upset about it, but at the end of the day, it's a comic book movie. You know, not everything has to be politically correct, and I know that it's striking that conversation because of its plot. At the same time, it's a movie. It's not right. trying to offend you, you know. So, overall, loved it. I only saw it the one time. Uh, and not until recently when I rewatched it, but what I saw it at when it was released and I didn't really get to talk about it really in process, like the film itself. So I'm good that we're having dedicating this episode to it. Cause we can really get into it, you know, as far as what we, how we see about the movie. Um, but what'd you think of it? You know, how'd you like it? Yeah. So kind of like you said, very emotional. Um, the way I described it when I first saw it, it was like, first of all, it was amazing. Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor, period. Um, it was interesting to see Todd Phillips tackle something like that. You know, after like, you know, being a big fan of like the Hangover movies, stuff like yeah. that. It's like, it's so out of left field. But mm-hmm. um, no, the way I described it was like a roller poster, a roller poster, roller coaster <laughs> of gut punches. No, that's right. And emotions of the roller poster. <laughs> Um, it was crazy, man. It was like, you know, like you got the one scene where it jumps to like, you know, him dancing for kids in a hospital and you're like, Oh no, this is, this is sweet. 
and then uh, and the the bang, gun falls gun down falls it's just like bro. i'm like dude my stomach dropped and uh you know the 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 way that he acts so acts out the mental illnesses stuff like that um the uh pathological laughing stuff like that where it's like mm-hmm. there's it just like makes your stomach twist because like he does yeah. it so in such a realistic way um mm-hmm. and so not even just the acting but todd phillips even breaks down in some videos um the uh just the the uh the meta metaphors you know the the way that the buildings are kind of like overtowering everything and they even said that they added more buildings in the background just to make it look like you know the city's over top and you know the way a very suffocating environment yeah Yeah. for sure the way that he you know goes up the stairs and then and then doesn't come back down until he's you know descending into madness and um i love first of all I, i think that to enjoy this movie you have to be open to the idea of retelling this story Mm-hmm. in a different way mm-hmm. you're not gonna like it you know because you have the people that were like so far left to where they were like well he's not falling in a vat of chemical waste this is this is not joker yeah you know, or his name's not this or he didn't kill batman or he didn't whatever and then you got the other side that's just like this is a great movie period um mm-hmm. and so you have to, i think you have to be open to you know just the new storytelling um man the way i mean everybody's got their theories of what was real what wasn't real you know different things like that um mm-hmm. but just how they how they presented things um i felt like joaquin really embodied like the the inner character of who joker is um mm-hmm. just by like his mannerisms or the way that like he just he had so much wonder, but he didn't, he didn't care. There wasn't like a, mm-hmm. a plan, like stuff, chaos just followed him everywhere mm-hmm. he went. You know, there, there wasn't a plan for it. Um, and the way that he just like gave into, and he saw, you know, the cars on fire and the riots and he's like, isn't mm-hmm. it beautiful? You know, it's just like, that's just who Joker is. And then I, I didn't catch it until the second time I watched it. But when he left, or he got fired from his job and he left, um, is the way when he walked out, there's a sign that said, don't forget to smile. And he just oh yeah, marked out, forget to, and it just says, don't smile. It's like, and yeah, then the just way don't he smile. prances down the steps and kicks the door open. I just, it, it really felt like Joker. Like I was like, holy crap. Like I mm-hmm. need to see this guy face off against Batman. Um, there was a theory that I saw today that someone suggested that, um, cause, at the end, Arthur talks about, you know, it being a joke or whatever. And so this guy's idea was the joke is, you know, how, you know, Batman's parents got shot in the alley. And he's like, the joke is that none of this is actually real because Gotham is so colorful and it's so, you know, all these characters and Mm -hmm. Batman's like, technically he's, violating the law by being a vigilante but he also wants to lock up people so like Mm -hmm. it was an interesting like it was an interesting idea i was at the same time i was like all right is it is it comic books you know like this is supposed to be like a hero villains whatever um but it was it was interesting to think about like the realism of it of like what if Mm -hmm. joker really was just like what if like none of this was real you know and it's like just him and arkham and you know he's just thinking about it's like all all in his head. Um and so it definitely like to this day, man, I've seen it a couple different times and it still like messes with me. I'll say too, adding to how Joaquin brought in the inner character of who the Joker is as a person. I'll say that people always ask me who do you think is the best Joker now that we've had a few people be him, you know, by now. And I always say it was Heath, you know? Right. Um, but I'll, I'm not going to, you know, plot twist. I'm not going to say that it's, it is Joaquin because of bias, because I love Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. 
Uh, I say that Heath and Joaquin are tied because they both not only brought their own flavor right to the character but they also honored the character and drawn drawed influence from like different alliterations of uh the Joker character like you know we think Heath it's like all right so we have the anarchist Joker you know the chaotic evil Joker that's right. just all about messing shit up you know but then you also have the mob boss Joker reminiscent of like the the 89 Keaton Batman where like you know he's about like orchestrating different uh plans and whatnot having dudes do his bidding for him you know uh and then you also have a little bit of uh the Scott Snyder New 52 where he's insane insane you know to where he he cut the crap out of himself and i think it would have been interesting if if the Scott Snyder run was going going on at the time um to actually have Heath have the staple on face, you know? Right. Uh, but I don't think Nolan would be like that, you know, go that mm-hmm. dark, you know, into it. Cause you know, Nolan's a classy guy. Um, yeah. It was bad enough that we had like the scars on the side of his cheeks, you know, let alone having his whole face stapled on Anywho, Um, whereas with Joaquin, he brought the mental illness, and the the darkness that comes with it, but but brings it to its at utmost, like darkest point, you know, to where he kills a dude on live television. If we were to assume that what happens actually happened in the film, which I think it did, you know, I know there's yeah. things that saying that he died when he went to the refrigerator, etc. But to to assume and say that everything happened and the only thing that did not happen was his relationship with what's her face, you know, the, the woman, but then that's revealed to you in the film anyways, that, it, right. you know, that she was just like, uh, what the hell you're weird. Um, right. But I'm, I'm going to say that not only they're tied, but at the end of the day, that's what it means to become a character. And a beloved character too. Like you have to, in my opinion, of course, uh, honor the character for sure. Make sure you pull it off. And if you do bring your own spin to it, us us fans are going to be way more appreciative than just being verbatim derivative. Like I'm the Joker, da da da, or I'm Batman, Superman, etc. But if you check off the fundamentals of the foundation of being that character. So when you add your own spin to it, it adds to it, which will be appreciated, appreciative of, but if maybe you didn't really stick the landing as far as throwing your own spin on it, uh, it's excused. Nor usually. And I think the only instance where it wasn't was Jared Leto's Joker, you know, because I think he spent too much time and too much effort trying to be all these other alliterations of Joker without bringing his own spin to it. The only thing that was different was how he looked, you know, with all the tattoos and, you know, but that was it. Other than that, like how he acted throughout each point in Suicide Squad was the different alliterations of Joker himself, which I appreciated. But the film failed because, well, for me, because I just didn't like it. And I felt like he was the weakest Joker because he had the most potential to be another established actor to honor the role, but he didn't, you know, yeah. it sucks. Um, so. I'll say that going back to Joaquin and Heath, that they're tied. Um, but going into the next point that I wanted to bring up is now this is 
the first standalone DC film in a while, you know, outside the DCEU. Now, how do you think it measured up to the other DCEU movies? You know, like how, like comparing this film to the other DC films, what do you think sets it apart from the rest? Realism. I mean, yeah. the th- I mean, think about how, how close we get to realism in these movies, right? Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> Wonder Woman is, you know, set in a different decade. Um, but Themyscira, you know, you've got Kal-El who's from another planet period you know, Metropolis and who's, you know, Metropolis is obviously these are, you know, fictional cities and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but you can, you, f- it's like, you feel like you, you know, that they're in a, in a comic world. Um, yeah. with Joker, it felt, I don't know. It felt more like a city, you know, and mm-hmm. it felt easy to connect to. Um, I think that, realism um it wasn't as flashy as you know other as they're doing the dceu movies um mm-hmm. wasn't as comic-y you know just very very heart-wrenching mm-hmm. um straight i mean it's just this is nuts man um yeah very uh inception like um it just had that that realism to it mm-hmm. um and really kind of played with your feelings aside from you know the regular thing of like having you know stuff that like grabs your heart you know like with mm-hmm. uh uh wonder woman when um steve trainer died you know or whatever or supposedly died um yeah, apparently not <laughs> supposedly yeah. but uh yeah like stuff like that where you're like oh no or superman dies you know and you're like oh dang or you know what are seeing batman smash in and beat the crap out of people and you're like oh wow but then you watch joker you're just like mm, <laughs> what yeah, just... and everybody that i you know i saw it in theaters twice and both times dead silent at the end of the movie yeah walking out of the theater people looking at each other going did you just did you were you were you in there and I was like, yeah. And so the guy's like, that was freaking insane. And I'm like, yeah, it was. And it's it's kind of funny, too, because it's just like we're so sick of seeing and hearing about, like, Bruce's parents' murder. But then now, like, yeah. we had, like, a little bit of a different spin on it where they are casualties of the the riots that were going on. And so it's like, it's you get your realism and the classic origin story uh, catalyst of one of the most iconic superhero, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and the one thing that I liked that they, they did keep was mm. Joker's whole spiel, like the killing joke, just like just one bad day, you know, or like, yeah. he really bad yeah. day. but I love the twist on it where it wasn't him like necessarily having a bad day, it was having a bad life. But that same day, like, he killed his mom <laughs> like out yeah. of nowhere and yeah. then you know killed his coworker, or whatever and so it was like dude it was weird it was like there's there's the the relating part where it's like oh yeah one bad day and you know and he's in his whole spiel where it was very relatable where he was just like he's like look this all this crap is enough to make anybody go crazy you know living mm-hmm. in a crappy apartment you know barely making money like you know people overlooking you stepping by whatever he's like this is enough to make anybody crazy um and so he definitely was twisted because it's like it pulled on your feelings in a way where you were like mm-hmm. you know, man that really sucks um but at the same time like he turned around and killed his mom so <laughs> it's like it's mm-hmm. very wrenching like you don't know how to feel it's like you're being pulled both ways and i i'll think I think too, just to add to that, you know, with you saying how what sets it apart from the rest of the films is the realism. For me, 
it's the same. And I think that's also why films like Man of Steel didn't work that well. I mean, I love that film because, you know, me being a, a huge Superman fan. But uh, I think that's one of the, that's actually the common consensus with Man of Steel is like it tried to be real, but at the same time, it tried to still be a comic book movie. And sometimes if you don't have the right people to do that, it doesn't pan out, you know, because then now what ends up happening is it's too much of one of those things. You know, if Man of Steel, we had like, you know, Seven Eleven right here. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like uh, Zack Snyder saying, like, I wanted him to feel like a real a real person. And like, he's actually in like America and all that. It's like, I. I understand that and I get it, but like the 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 kids from a different planet, bro. Like yeah. The movie has to be still fantastical. And you can have some elements of realism, but you can't really do like a 50/50 with something like that. You got to have to do a 60/40 or 70/30, you know? Like um yeah. Well that that's what bothered me in um and and don't get me wrong. You you already know I, I love all of DC's movies regardless, um. But BVS when Superman was going to fly to Batman or whatever because his light lit up in the sky, and Lois is like, "What are you doing?" You know, and Superman's like, "I I gotta go fight him," and he was like, "No one stays good in this world." And I'm like, "That's not you." <laughs> Yeah, that's not Superman. That that doesn't yeah. make sense, you know. Like, so it's like this Frank Miller's, you know, sidestep into like this different universe where, mm-hmm. you know, it things are just a little bit different and ideas are different and getting inside people's heads. And and I think I really do think that Zack Snyder is a visionary. Yeah, and I think he's wonderful at what he does. I also think that it would be amazing to get. Like, like I would love to see the Russo brothers work with Snyder, mm. like to see Snyder, like his visual, like visions and, you know, mm. how he produces teamed up with like the Russo brothers, like, mm. you know, storytelling and unraveling. That'd be, ins- that would be intense. dude. <laughs> I could, that could be something because, and, and the reason why I say them is because of the the scene that Disney denied them when um, in Endgame, they wanted Thanos, the future Thanos, to step out with Captain America's head in his hand, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, they got some, they got some, re- and they even said that they would love to take a shot at some DC movies. And I'm, at, I'm this, point, it, at this point, I'm open to it. I, yeah, I think they would be great with, um, with Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they would. But I'll, I'll say that when it comes to how I see Joker compared to the other DC movies, um, like I said, like, you know, the realism is there. Also, something that, which I hadn't mentioned when I've talked about this film with other people and my friends and whatnot, is how focused the portrayal of his character is. You know, Um, a lot of these DC movies. It's like an ebb and flow, you know, it just, it ultimately depends on the actor, the writing staff, and just what kind of story they're trying to tell. Uh, it's, it's like some are kind of just there just to, to, to have it or some really believe in the character. Um, for example, you know, Man of Steel, I think Henry Cavill and we've talked about this in previous episodes that he still has some fuel in the tank for for Kal-El, you know? And I, Man of Steel was a solid introduction to him as uh, Kal-El with some limitations of the time, you know? Like, we ha- it hadn't been a DC movie in a while, especially, you know, starting, like, a new universe. And we had a Superman, Superman movie in a long-ass time. So there was a lot of pressures at the time, you know, and I think Warner Brothers, their their shtick was just trying to match up with Marvel, and it 
it costed them. Um, luckily, the films like Justice League and BVS made a decent amount of money. But as far as like us, the fans, we were like, bro, like, what do you, what is he doing? Um, yeah. So, but then you had, we had the solid successes of Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. And these are people that really, to me, uh, honed in on what it meant to be the character. It makes sense that Jason Momoa would be like that as Aquaman. He is like that. So that's why that was a really solid portrayal, you know. Uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, I think she's Wonder Woman actually because do you know she served in the Israeli army? Like she's actually a badass, you know. <laughs> like wow. so, um, they they have something to bring to the to the role. So with Joaquin as Joker. I think that he brought a lot, you know, to it. And I will always commend that, you know, like he took it seriously. And that's another thing that adding to my point with these roles is you're, if you're going to be a beloved hero or a character, take it seriously. The fans will love you more if you it's not just a job to you, you know, yeah. like you actually believe in the character. You believe in the story. You believe in the portrayal of this character that you're being and being the most iconic villain ever. Hawkeye just went in there. Boom. Won an Oscar for it. He did his thing. Yeet it. Yeet. Hashtag Joker Yeet 2020. Um, going into my next point, or our next point, um, obviously this film has influences. Todd Phillips has gone on record and has talked about them. Uh, I knew off the, off the cuff what uh, he was going for, even before I heard uh, what he was trying to base his movie off of. Ult- right off the bat, uh, a little bit of killing joke, because you know, that's right. the Joker origin story. The definitive Joker origin story, but right. then the King of Comedy, boom, like for sure, for sure, with hints of Taxi Driver. So Todd Phillips loves Scorsese, obviously. <laughs> you know, making right. some really edgy like films. So uh, I think that actually this would be this counts as a uh, an adaptation of the King of Comedy in like a weird way, except the ending's a little bit different. You know, the whole stick is like he's a failing comedian. He wants his shot, you know, but he takes it by force. He kidnaps the host at gunpoint. And the terms are, if you let me do my my stick on your show, I'll let you go. And then they do. And it's actually super good. And of course, he gets arrested and gets put into jail and whatnot. But apparently it's mad good versus Joker. He's insane and he's socially awkward, has the comedic timing of a rock, yet ends up on the show. And we take that to the, the, the furthest and actually kills the host because of he felt like he was berated by, and he was. So the, I, I was just sitting there like, oh, my God. So this is for sure King of Comedy with hints of Taxi Driver. But uh, mm-hmm. what film influences do you think that Joker had? <clears throat> I mean, you pretty much said it. Yeah. Um, I being a being a horror movie fan. There were there were like some subtle hints of like horror suspense in there for me. Yeah. Um, just how, you know. I mean, him him dancing in the bathroom was like kind of creepy, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he like looked and some of the camera work um, tied in with the music, um, it was like, uh, and especially the whole thing like <clears throat> being very dark and grainy. Um, but that that one scene where you know before he goes on the Murray show and he kills his old coworker and stabs him in the eye, bro. 
Dude, what was it with a pair of scissors? I think. Right, but when he's when he's standing there, in between, he's like holding the thresholds, and he only has the white makeup, you know, and and the way he like turns his head up. It's like, dude, it was so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so it had those, you know, those aspects of a of a horror movie for me. Um, you know, like him getting in the fridge, and they like slowly zooming in but they have you can tell they're you know they're they're doing handheld camera mm-hmm. and so like when you have that like subtle shaking there's it is it, it was a little creepy um or even when uh he shoots the two guys in the subway train and yeah the music yeah god the yeah so good <laughs> no yeah and it adds um, to the atmosphere for the film for sure which is i think what score score should be anyways yeah. It should. And I, dude, I love, like I said, the, the manner he, he really has the mannerisms of the Joker. Um, like I already mentioned the, the one scene where he walked down the steps, but there's another scene. Like it was weird because a lot of the movie, you know, he seemed really like non-confident, like in his head type of person. And then you know, and the cops are trying to chase him down and he's full on dressed as the Joker mm-hmm. and he comes out the subway. He's like chuckles a little bit and, you know, tosses the mask or whatever. Like in, in the way he puts it on in the subway, you know, it's like he's it's like when he's, you know, full blown in the madness. It's mm-hmm. like he's confident in who he is. And yeah, I love that. Like the way that he act, the way he pulled it off, it just felt very without all like of what we're used to without all like the, the hyperactive personality and like the really jumpy, like he wasn't all that, but it was more like a realistic, subtle, like, like, yeah, this is who I am, you know? And, and it's like, he was so good at just being slick and getting away with stuff, but he also didn't care. He wasn't worried about consequences or anything like that. You know, he said it on the show. He's like, nothing can hurt me anymore. Yeah, the, um, when he, I was about to, I was just about to say that, like when he's finally on the show, and he says, you know, nothing can hurt me anymore. Yeah, I got I have now, nothing left to lose. In the, when he when he went on the Murray show, I got a big vibe of, um, Dark Knight Returns, part yeah. two. Oh yeah, you know where right. they did the show, um, but just how like how calm he was. And then when he got up, that I it it gave me goosebumps. But I was like, "This is so cool!" But when he got up and grabbed the camera, and he was like, "Don't forget, that's life." And then he like laughs or what? Like you see one of the videos after it like mm-hmm. you know pulls back and they show all the news stations or whatever. Yeah, it gets tackled right before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's one of them where he's like, and then he does the laugh, and I'm like, "Yes!" Like, and that's that's why I guess that's where we can segue. That that's why. I would love to see him go for a part two yeah. um, to see more of that, you know, the last 20 minutes that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's what we were all waiting for, you know, watching right. the movie. You're like, yeah. you know, this is coming. Um, you know, this is who he is. It's coming. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I would like to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, dude, give, give Todd Phillips, man. I, I know they're, I know they're talking about, um, possibly using um, Bane as another Black Label movie. Um, trying to track through the villains. I don't know if mm. they'll be connected. You know, with DC trying to connect everything together. I don't know if they'll still keep like Black Label, Black Label, because you have like Justice League Dark, where Batman kind of hops in with, you know, the mm. magic stuff and all that. So, I definitely think there needs to be a Constantine movie if we're gonna do Black Label. Um, yeah, yeah. Along with like Swamp Things, they Zatanna. they want yeah, to. They've already talked about Zatanna. They're pa- they're panning for either Keanu Reeves returning, or there's little yeah. little talks of Matt Ryan being uh, having well, a movie. Which I'm like, eh. if Keanu like returns, I I need the accent. I'm sorry. It that's how he that's who he is in the comics. That's true, but Keanu can't be. If you've seen Francis Coppola's Dracula. <laughs> You, you'll know that Keanu Reeves can't do accents, man. Yeah, I mean, well, granted, he was younger at the time, maybe not as, at his, ta- you know, as he wasn't a veteran, 
but his accent comes and goes in the movie. So I'm just like, then maybe <laughs> it doesn't yeah. need to be Constantine then. Yeah, true. Take Matt Ryan, honestly. Yeah. Now, yeah. let's give. Uh, I don't even know how they would do this if it would be tied in or not, but let's do Batman Beyond, which is what we need. We need Batman Beyond has to happen. And if they don't sidestep Keaton from the Flashpoint movie to play old man Wayne, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> yeah, it's, that would just be a failed opportunity. But what about what about Phillips directing a Beyond movie? So I'll say this. I think Joker is as a as a film as a whole was really good. Is it perfect? No. I mean a perfect movie is subjective. You know, you could say The Godfather is a perfect movie. You know, you could say Citizen Kane is a perfect movie, etc. Okay. Um but as a film, it was a very, very solid movie. The the music, the cinematography, you know, the strong performances by everyone, you know, like it was right. definitely as as a film, triple A, high high tier, top tier, you know. Uh, so going back into what you were saying. Todd Phillips having a crack at Batman Beyond, do it. You know, I, I think I really I would want, honestly, a kind of a dark Batman Beyond movie. You know that the future is the future is effed, and maybe there hasn't been heroes in a long time. You know, Bruce is retired. Crime is at its highest. You know, like it things have to look look. Omega bleak, and then here comes Terry McGinnis to to get things cracking and rolling. I would like that. I I think Todd Phillips would be a good fit for a Batman Beyond. Um, I kind of want also. There's someone I had in mind. I want. Who am I thinking of? Oh, I want. The guy that did Blade Runner, the new one, mm. Denis Bellevue, to have a yeah. crack at a DC film. Okay. Warner Brothers loves him, so like, um, just because of Blade Runner twenty twenty forty nine is such an amazing movie, you know, all these themes that he explores, all these different nuances, and it would be interesting to see him have a crack at a superhero movie because I think he can really flush out a lot of stuff that makes that superhero tick. Um, there's a couple other people I have in mind. You know, I miss Nolan, you know, <laughs> doing his superhero movies, but I know like that that's over and done with. Uh, yeah. But going into what you said earlier, uh, you want Joker to have a crack at Batman, maybe in a potential sequel. So I'm going to go ahead and say, it's an unpopular opinion, but I think that I actually don't want a, a Joker sequel. And if it is, if my condition, if you're going to make a Joker sequel, like if you ultimately have to, my terms is that it's not Joaquin. I, I have it ingrained in my mind that Joaquin set the example of what the Joker moniker is. Okay. So if you're going to do a sequel, have it take place years later. Okay. Have it be someone else and have callbacks, etc. Uh so the Joker in a way is kind of like a moniker. Cuz we never really got that. Like the Joker was always a dude, but now we have like a face to it. Especially with how the movie went down at the end. Like not everyone's like, yeah, you know, like knows who he is and stuff. So, in this sequel, you could just have Arthur just die in like a car crash or I don't know, like get killed or something like that, and then have the moniker be, um, you know, 
like mm. a, an alias take of just like uh I think villains can be just like superheroes with the whole like it's just a symbol, you know? Uh yeah. And funny enough, not that off topic, but there's an anime that I'm gonna recommend to you. Um Okay. Uh, My Hero Academia. Um, okay. Superhero anime. X-Men, essentially. Everyone has like a power, kind of. And uh, the main characters go to a school. And pro heroes teach at that school. So you're taken through like, you know, their training. You know, they take the the hero exam. Now they're out and about in the real world under the tutelage of these pro heroes and stuff. And the main mm-hmm. kid, of course, is under the tutelage of the Superman of the the verse, who they humanize perfectly. I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it. But um, currently in the manga, uh, the number one villain, he was defeated and is locked up, like he like in this maximum pentagon prison you know he ain't getting out it's his student that is now being slowly built to be the new number one uh, villain so it does a really good job of passing the torch you know that's like a big thing in this anime so going back to um with joker if you want to do a sequel, if you have to, if you must, it has to be years later. Let Joaquin be like Arthur Fleck, and that's that. I know, and the thing is, I know it would be great to see him again, but I feel like it undermines the impact of the film if you haven't returned for a sequel. And the thing that's that's the thing with sequels sometimes, you know. Uh, Going back to what I said earlier, the reason why Blade Blade Runner 2049 is a fantastic sequel, one of the best sequels of the movie, like T2 level, you have a returning character, a return the return the protagonist of the previous film, but he's a side character now. Like you you have to kind of do bench like a character in order to give someone else the the shine. So if you're gonna have a Joker sequel. If if Arthur's around, let him be kind of like in the background. Let it be a side character. Don't have him be the focus anymore. Have it be someone else. Um, Interesting. That's what I would want. You can have it line up with the Batman film. You know, honestly, like if you want to do a sequel and if you want it to intersect with Robert Pattinson's Batman, those are my terms. You know, if you want to connect, yeah, and and that's what I was gonna say. I I think that's the the only, I don't want to say the only way, but the best way that it can work. You know, if you're gonna do a sequel like that, where it's like, okay, now we're actually bringing in the Joker, and it's years later, it has to somehow cross with the DCEU. You know, like it's no longer, you know, like you could do one of those weird things where it's like, technically it's a sequel, but not really like the second movie. You know, mm-hmm. um, but. I, that's what my take from it was, like, even in the title, you know, Joker, wasn't like the Joker, it just said Joker, and so, um, it's like they idolized this guy at the end of the movie, and then his actions caused Bruce's parents to be killed, mm-hmm. so it works to have that idea of, like, you know, he just inspired, and he's, like, an icon now for you know, this thing happened, but somebody else is going to actually take up this personality with, with an aim and a goal in mind because Arthur Fleck didn't have a goal or anything. Like, he, he could die and he's okay with it. You know, he even said it himself. He was like, when he talked to his mom for the last time, he's like, I haven't been happy one day in my entire life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it could work. Um, it would be interesting to see how they would, which DC movies are, in my opinion, man, they're such a mess right now, either way. So, you know, you could say that it was, explain it in some 
some different way or something, you mm-hmm. know, just to make the movie not make a number two, but a, a sequel. You know, it's either everyone trying to do their own thing, or there's no there is no path or direction, too yeah. much studio interference and et cetera, et cetera. So now that yeah. there's kind of a vision that they have, now they let they need to let the creators create, you know. And I think a, a good example of that is these standalone films. You know, um, they all feel the same, but also kind of different. Shazam was a very fun movie because that's how Shazam is. So it makes right. sense that it, that was the kind of film that we got. You know, uh, Aquaman, you know, he being from the sea. So now you got like a bunch of like water effects, et cetera, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. the big thing about family and heritage and stuff like that um the wonder wonder woman being about masculinity but like as a woman you know like being a strong like powerful woman in a in an age where that's kind of like eh, not really a thing right um, each film had its own you know merit and stick which i enjoyed so going forward i hope that they continue to honor that, you know. Yeah. No, oh, and and I'm excited to, you know, finally see Wonder Woman two, which we would have seen by now. We would have seen it by now, but we could have talked about it already. The world's in peril, you know. Oh man, dude, Wonder Woman two is gonna be good. I got I got a good feeling about that one. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I'm, I'm almost positive it's gonna be banging. Yeah, uh, I, I'm very curious to see how they do this, um, this, basically a, a remake of the Gotham show, you know, for HBO Max, you know, and, and I am excited, you know, because HBO Max has made all these promises about movie level budgets and all this kind of stuff. So I am excited, um, but it, the, everything so far that they've described, it's, it's literally like a, remake of Gotham. They're like, this is gonna rotate around Gotham that's canon to the Gotham PD. The movie. And, but it's also Pattinson's universe. So are we gonna see Pattinson or is it just gonna be another Gotham deal? Hmm. You know? I guess we'll see. Yeah. Because the Green Lantern show supposedly is supposed to be tied into you know, our whole universe or DCEU. I think they're slowly trying to make it to where the films are canon to the mo- to the shows and whatnot. And I know that you know you had the Ezra Miller cameo and da da da. So I think they're slowly trying to make it to where everything yeah. is canon. They could do some like Phil Coulson sidestep stuff. Yeah. I'd be okay with and that. Mention names. But I don't know. I mean in my opinion, DC has so many characters that people know. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm—I don't even like really read Marvel like that. But I feel like their characters are harder to like, you know, for or not not as well known, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like even even with Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, great movies. But if you look at them in the comic, they're not—they're not like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and nobody really knew. Unless you were a deep comic fan, mm. you had no clue what Guardians were. That's the thing with these movies sometimes, too, is like if it's a character that you're not really familiar with, it'll get you to be familiar. Yeah. Or it might right. encourage you to read the source material. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Um, also excited to see what's happening with Stargirl. Um, it's getting good, man. It's heard. It's getting good. Um, picking up a lot of traction, like we talked about before. You know, in, intrigued to see how they combine it. You know, if they do with any other shows. Now that everything's connected. Yeah. <laughs> you know. True. Um, interested to see that. Um, Doom Patrol. They promised that season two was going to be even weirder than season one, and wow. they have not disappointed. Really? Yeah. So to start. <laughs> Season two, Doom Patrol. Uh, season weird. one was 
was in, insane. So it's good, but it's weird. It's really weird. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's really man, dude. It's it's weird. Just prepare yourself. Um, if you Let's have any kids, <laughs> if you have any kids, this is not the show for your kids. <laughs> Tell them to watch a. Uh... Teen Titans Go or something like that. <laughs> Teen Titans Go. Yeah, Doom Patrol is not for your kids. For I'm sure. not even sure it's for me. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm, like, old enough to <laughs> to be watching Doom Patrol. Sometimes when you're watching something like that and you're just like, hmm, I don't know if I can handle this, you know? Dude, it's just weird, man. Like, the last, the last two episodes, right? Just look at the titles. Last two episodes, two episodes ago, the title was Sex Patrol. The oh. last episode, the title was Finger Patrol. I'm not really sure <laughs> if I'm old enough to be watching these movies. Oh my. <laughs> or these, these episodes. They're it's it's a good show though. Like dude, it's so weird, but you just you wanna know what's what's coming, you know, or like what's gonna happen next. I have to um, keep my ear to the ground for it. But yeah, ultimately, Joker's great. Uh, again, I would like to see another standalone DC movie on on this scale of like raw impact as far as like filmmaking, storytelling, etc. Because this, to me, is also like one of the best, if not the best, DC film. Like live action film, it it was the highest grossing R rated movie of all yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> worldwide. Putting, so putting it up there with like the the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, like D yeah. like these four movies, like this is the pinnacle of what DC can be as far as their live action stuff is, you know. Absolutely, so I'm I'm confident that we'll get more of that, um, but I think we're gonna end it here. Yeah. Because we could talk about this film for so long. But Absolutely. It take that Marvel. Anything. Anything any Marvel movie I want to talk about all day. In <laughs> uh, game. I mean Infinity War. In game. No. We'll end that conversation in yeah. ten minutes. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But this was fun. Uh I think that and it, it it's been such a while like to to talk about Joker because like I said earlier like I didn't even have a chance to really tap into it you know like I saw it loved it and I was like you liked it and, you know like you talk to your friends whatnot and be like you know you tell them like you like it but you didn't really you don't really get to unravel your thoughts so right it was good to check off the things that I liked about it which i did you know like i liked everything so that's why it's kind of hard to say i loved watching it because at the same time i didn't because of the subject matter and whatnot but i did you know it's a weird paradox you know that's the thing with heavy movies you know you say like you like is it bad to say you like them you know like schindler's list the most depressing movie ever but like it's really good, so you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Holocaust for for Christ's sake, you know, like it's it's entertainment. I, I yeah. don't know, yeah. But thank you guys so much for listening to us talk about Joker. Yeah, for a billion years, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, don't don't forget to smile. Yeah. And Put on a happy face. Yeah. Uh, why? Why so serious? But be sure to follow us on social media. Super Geek the podcast on Instagram. Super Geek on Facebook. What am I thinking? On Spotify, Anchor, etc. We're on all the uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on all the the outlets. Or if you want to give Jesse and I a follow. Nerd, the nerd from space, all lowercase. That's my personal Instagram. 
and then Jesse's. I'm trying to remember what is it. <laughs> I think it's uh, Jesse. Jesse. Jesse Day one one six. I was about to say that like it's the numbers, you know. That I was forgetting. <laughs> it's the numbers. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in, um, everybody. And don't forget, that's life. Yeah. And thanks for getting geeky with us. Until next time. Adios. Muchachos. Thank you.